if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to grab it. We are eventually going to be in the book of Galatians. We are going to continue a look into what our essentials are as a church. And this morning, I want to talk about how we believe in the Holy Spirit. But before we get into that, I want us to pray um, I know Carrie just prayed, but I want us to pray for something specific. I would be uh, missing an opportunity uh, if we didn't pray for just our world um, as a whole. Um, as we watch the unfolding events uh, around us in the invasion of Russia into Ukraine and how everyone is responding, it would be a good idea for us to pray either for the destruction of the wicked rulers and leaders of our world or that they would be turned to Christ. I know that sounded really harsh, but it is what it is. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign and you are in complete control. There is nothing in this world that surprises you. Before the church in Ukraine, before the poor people in Ukraine knew that this was going to happen, you knew about it. And you're still governing in the chaoticness of this mess. I pray for peace. I pray that you would reign supreme in the situation, that somehow you'll bring good out of it. And we pray for the repentance or the, these wicked leaders to repent and turn to you, God. Or we pray, God, that you would remove them and get them out of the way. We pray for the people of Ukraine, the churches there in Ukraine, the pastors that I've heard about who have stayed behind, not just to fight, but to be men there to help the people. Would you also give me that type of boldness? Would you also give the Church of America that type of boldness? And in the face of persecution, we don't run. We stick with, we, we put our stick on the ground. And we say, we will not move. May we, may we see the lessons to be learned in this. And may you continue to rule sovereignly over it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit and our response and what that means for us. When we speak of the Holy Spirit, um, you probably fall into two camps. You either get really excited or you get extremely nervous, right? You talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, you can talk about the Holy Spirit in theoretical terms. You can uh, talk about the Holy Spirit in scholarly ways, and you can really miss that the Holy Spirit is not just something to think about and, and someone to uh, speak scholarly of, but the Holy Spirit is in every Christian, the moment of regeneration. The Holy Spirit is inside every believer at the moment of regeneration, let me talk about the Trinity, if I can, for just a second and try to blow our minds because when we talk about the Trinity, that's a very difficult doctrine to discuss. The doctrine of the Trinity 
is not a man-made doctrine. It is something that is found throughout the scripture. In fact, Barna Research just did some research about God, about Holy Spirit, about a lot of different religious things. And I thought I would share this with you because it kind of gives us the why this is so important. Barna Research said that 38% strongly agreed and 20% agreed somewhat that the Holy Spirit is not a part of the Trinity. So over half of Christians in America have a real hard time believing in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And just think about that, 58%, something like that. I can't do math that fast in my head. We'll, We'll say it's over half of Christians they just don't believe that the Holy Spirit is God. You don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's just some type of force, just some type of wind that's being blown. So if you're asking, well, why, preacher, are we talking about these things? Because I have a fear and a growing fear in the Church of America as we see our fundamental like pillars are kind of diluting in our culture. And it's so critical that you understand who the Holy Spirit is because there's a lot of things that the Holy Spirit does inside of the believers. Now, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are one substance in three distinct persons. Every religion rejects this doctrine of the Trinity. Islam rejects it, the, the J-dubs rejected, the LDS objected, rejected, and every single religion you can think of rejects this particular doctrine, and they reject that the Holy Spirit, many of them reject that the Holy Spirit is even, has a deity. Now, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father. They are all distinct, but they are in one essence, one God. Before we get to Galatians, I got quite a few scriptures that you don't have to turn to. I'll put these on the screen for you, that that the Bible would tell us and teach you that there is just one God. So we don't believe in a plurality of gods, that there are three gods, there are four gods, or there are, you know, all of these types of gods. We believe what the Bible teaches is that there is just one single God in Deuteronomy chapter four, verse six. I got it for you up there, Bree. You gotta hang with me today because I got a lot of scriptures, as you noticed. You probably were like, I quit. I'm not doing this anymore. Deuteronomy 6 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? Oh my gosh, you guys are listening and you're participating. That makes this southern boy so excited. In Isaiah 44 6, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first. And I am the last besides me. There is no God. In Isaiah 45, 5, I am the Lord. And there is no other beside me. There is no God. I equip you through. You do not know me. 
though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Now this is Old Testament, but what does the New Testament say? I'm so glad that you asked me that important vital question this morning in James chapter 2 verse 19. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. In 1 Corinthians 8 verse 4, therefore as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no existence and that there is no God but one. There, there is one God three persons. And the Holy Spirit is not just a force. The Holy Spirit is just not a concept or an idea that's been construed by men over the years. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we get a glimpse of the doctrine of the Trinity at complete work here in Genesis 1 verse 2, it says that the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So the Holy Spirit here in the act of creation is right there with us. The Holy Spirit is hovering. We get the word hovering also from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 11. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them. So we see here like the Holy Spirit is hovering over its creation. His titles speak of his majestic glory. He's called the breath of the Almighty. He is called the eternal spirit in Psalm 143. He is the good spirit in Psalm 51, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 4. He is the Holy Spirit. He is also called the spirit of the living God, the spirit of God, the spirit of the Father, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of the Son, and the spirit of Life. He's the spirit in Isaiah chapter 11 of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of fear or to worship. He is the spirit of the Lord. He is the Holy Spirit and he is God. The term spirit comes from the Hebrew word ruach. Can you say that with me? Ruach. And you bunch of Hebrew scholars, you, you impress me every week. The familiar word that you may know is from the Greek, which is the pneuma. The fundamental meaning of this word, ruach, is the power and the energy and the source of life. In the beginning, you see the Holy Spirit hovering over the formless waters and the earth. And he is the ruach which breathes and brings life to the universe. But he is not only the one who brings life to our earth and life to all of the cosmos. He is the one who regenerates us and brings us from death to life. He is the Holy Spirit. 
And he brings this force of life inside of us. In fact, some of the ways that this is, um, some commentaries, commentators would say that this word ruach is like the violent life and the violent breath of God being thrown out in all of the cosmos and into our lives. He is the one who brings life to creation and he is the one who brings life to our dead, wayward souls. He is the Holy Spirit. He is as holy as the Father, as gracious as the Son, as powerful as the Father, as merciful as the Son, and as sovereign as the Father, and as loving and gracious as the Son. He is the Holy Spirit, and He is God. One common misconception is that the Holy Spirit is a genie in the bottle. And you just rub him the right way. I think there's a song about that or something like that. I won't sing it to you um, because that would be really awkward and weird. But he's like this genie in the bottle. If, and if I do this and, and, if, and if I can just like obey or if I can just you know maybe conjure him up or something, he'll do exactly what I say. No, that's the genie in the bottle. That's not the Holy Spirit. You watch way too much Aladdin. That's not the Holy Spirit. Many people think that he's our butler. He's Jeeves. Like he's the one who is to, to do everything for us. Well, I'll just ask Holy Spirit and he'll do it. Well, okay, try it and let's see. Many people believe that he's just a force as the J-dubs would teach, that he's just a force out there and, and like Luke Skywalker is just waiting in the background to catch him. Oh, that's a good one. Like some people even think that he's just something to be caught. I caught the Holy Spirit. How did that feel when you caught it? When Holy Spirit was already inside of you? No, you caught a shield. That's what you caught. It got really cold and you caught a fever. I don't know what you caught, but it probably wasn't the Holy Spirit. He's not something that you catch. He's something that is indwelling inside of you. He is the Holy Spirit, and he is God. What does Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit in his final discourse or sermon to the, to the boys up in the upper room where he's talking to them. He, t- he goes through all of these things that are about to take place, and then he tells them in John chapter 14, verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Another means just one that's just like. So Jesus is saying, although I may be leaving you, I'm sending another one just like me, the exact replicant of me, but it's the Holy Spirit. One exactly like himself, with the same compassion, the same attributes of deity, and the same love for them. In verse 26 of that very same chapter, Jesus says, But the counselor, or the, the, the word translated there is paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. So Jesus gives them, lays out this beautiful doctrine of of who the Holy Spirit is. He tells them, uh, he's going to be your helper, your your teacher, your comforter, your advocate. The word that I said, paraclete, it's very difficult to translate for scholars because it's like just they keep 
translate again, oh, well, it means par- it means teacher, it means comforter, it's advocate. It's like you can't just dis- stop describing who the Holy Spirit is. I love that he's our teacher, that he is revealing himself and his will, which is to save men. He is revealing the word of God to us, that he is our teacher and the counselor. I like the counselor whom the father will send in my name. He will teach you. Like he teaches us the things of old and brings them up to our remembrance. He's our comforter. We are in stress that the Holy Spirit is there when we are filled with anxiety. You know who's there? The Holy Spirit. When you turn on the news and you, you, you get anxious about all the things that are happening, you know what's not changed? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside of you, there to bring you comfort, there to ease the anxieties and the stresses of your heart. And instead of us running to other things to try to silence the noises, silence the anxious thoughts, and you just turn to the Holy Spirit. You are here to comfort. You are here to guide me. And then in John 16, verse 7, he tells his boys, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, that it is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. At this point, the disciples probably think, Jesus, you've lost your mind. It's for my advantage that you leave me. I mean, think about that. Let that like settle into your soul. They're walking with God with the flesh on. They've seen Jesus perform these miraculous things. And Jesus out of his own mouth says, it's better for you that I leave. Because if I don't leave, I won't send the Holy Spirit. But, but the Holy Spirit, man, he's, it's going to be really good for you, disciples. And we know this wasn't just something that the disciples could experience before the church. Jesus said that it's better that you have the Holy Spirit. Yet why do we act so nonchalant about the Holy Spirit in our lives if Jesus said that it's better for you to have the Holy Spirit? I think just for us, like if we just kind of take a step back, that's very difficult because I can't see the Holy Spirit, can't, can't feel the Holy Spirit, like, like in a physical kind of way. So it's very difficult for us to, to get this understanding of what Jesus says. And it's better for you that I go so that you can have the Holy Spirit. So that draws the question, then why? Why the Holy Spirit? Like, okay, we get this whole doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We get his deity. We get that he is God. We get that he is a member of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're not each other, but they're one God. We get that, or maybe you don't. You're still wrestling through that, and that's okay. But we get this doctrine of it at least. But why? What's so important about the Holy Spirit indwelling in his saints? Like, like, think about that. You've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean for us? Well, Galatians that I had you turn to 13 hours ago in chapter 5 is going to walk us through what that means. What does it mean for the Holy Spirit to be inside, to dwell in his church? 
you're going to see a comparing and contrasting of two different things, a life of the flesh and a life of a person who's been indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And what you'll see in this passage is that these two are at complete war with each other. I'm so glad nobody's sitting in these two front seats because I keep spitting everywhere. Don't worry, you don't have COVID or anything like that. So, Your flesh and Holy Spirit are tugging at your soul. So we're going to see why the Holy Spirit is so important and why this is so critical since the majority of Christians are having a hard time believing in the Holy Spirit. I would say this is why you need to believe in the Holy Spirit. J.I. Packer says that holiness is the fruit of the Spirit displayed at the Christian as the Christian walks by the Spirit. So our response when we say we're empowered by the Holy Spirit is what we're going to read is that we are bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealous, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Y'all were supposed to memorize those and say those out loud, but that's okay. We'll save it for later. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You have these two camps here, a heart that's led by the flesh and a heart that's led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit inside of you, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you and warring against these desires of the flesh And at the moment that you you, uh, become a regenerate believer, at the moment that you have surrendered your life to Christ, like the Holy Spirit begins to pull you away from these fleshly desires, these ways of the world. There are two verbs that he gives here that I want to just pull out and draw your attention to. When he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. So you have the Holy Spirit saying, let's walk 
this way. Let's walk towards sanctification. Let's walk towards holiness. Let's walk towards a life of righteousness. Let's walk this way. But on the other hand, you got your flesh saying, but I don't want to go that way. I don't want to go what way is right. I don't want to go the righteous way. I don't want to go the holy way. I want to go my way. It's this tug in your heart. And and what your flesh is going to end up doing is draw you closer to a, a legalistic way of life. Your flesh is going to draw you into thinking, well, if I can do it like this, I'll make myself better. I'll put a Band-Aid over the things that I think need to be put. Uh, have a Band-Aid and I'll just get better at myself. I'll work on myself. I'll become my best self now. And it just doesn't work that way. When the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, Christ has already done that for you. He's already given you his righteousness. Walk this way. Don't walk the way of the culture and the world and, 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 and the noise of the world and the, and the song of our earth today, which is you do you. Whatever satisfies you, walk that way. Whatever your heart desires, go there. It's the song of our world today. But for us who have been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, have the Holy Spirit inside of us saying, no, we're going to walk towards my way. We're going to walk to a life of holiness, a life of righteousness, a life that is pleasing to the Lord. The other one here is, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So under the law is believing a certain action creates this affections in God's heart towards you. That's what that means. That's seeking the law for salvation in Christ. The law, what the law does is that it will, it, it will reveal an external behavior and expose an internal reality. That's what the law does. It's easy to identify an external problem. Well, you may have a pornography problem. You have a, a lust problem, an anger problem. You have, a, you have all of these types of problems, and it's fine. You've identified that external issue, and that's exactly what the law does. But what the Spirit does is going to reveal to you that there's actually an internal problem that's driving you towards those external behaviors. And so the Holy Spirit is leading you not just to focus on one thing, but what's the matter of your heart? That's what the Holy Spirit does inside of us. Not just trying to clean you up to make you look better so that, you know, you've, you've abided by all these laws. You've, you've dotted your, your I's and, and crossed your T's. Man, you are living your best life. But internally, there's something severely wrong in your heart. And the Holy Spirit is there leading you away from the wickedness of this earth and your heart. He's not just pointing out those external issues that you have, but he is pointing out the place in your heart where you have refused to trust in the Holy Sovereign God. 
Let me just kind of go through some of these works of the flesh because these are always really fun to talk about. Um, now, the works of the flesh are evident. So if you have Holy Spirit saying, okay, now, if you, you have Holy Spirit, sorry, you got the fruit of the Spirit. Well, this is probably the rotten fruit of the devil, right? So you got one good lush piece of fruit that Holy Spirit's drawing you to, and then you got that one banana that's been sitting on your counter for three months, and it's blacker than black. When you get right now, fruit flies have grown up out of it and are harvesting all around it. This is the work of the flesh that you have. I hope I put a great image in your brain before we start talking about this. And he says, he goes through the sexuality. Here's the first three things that he talks about. Sexuality, immorality, impurity, sensuality. We know sex is not a bad thing, but man has our world not elevated the view in our worldview of sex to where it's now impossible for sex to ever live up to what we promise that it will do for us. The culture says that's, you know, you read all the magazines that you shouldn't be reading like in the magazine section. And, and what's always in every single magazine, your best sex life now. It's there. It's like, can I not just check out? Can I not just like run my groceries through this thing without seeing these magazines that are trying to point me to how culture is telling you like, well, you're just doing it wrong, but here's how you can live your best life. Here's how you can have your best sex life of your life right now. I mean, it's just what culture is just like inundating us with. And the problem is that that will not bring lasting satisfaction. In fact, what it will do is the opposite. You'll just have this hunger for more of this immorality, for more of this bad sexual thing, because you think that's the thing that's going to satisfy you. And it's, it was never meant to satisfy you. It was a gift of God. And when sin came, the enemy broke and perverted everything that God said was good, and sex was one of them. God said, this is a good thing. But sin comes in and it perverts it. Now you have lust. Now you have uh, child, sexual child abuse. Now you have the, the growing um, sex slaves in our world. And now you have rape on rampant. Like now you have all of these disgusting, vile things that are happening right now in our culture. And it's because we've elevated these things as if they are going to bring us the satisfaction. False religion, in verse 20, when he talks about idolatry, Harry Potter, um, anyone who is making something greater than, it actually says sorcery. It doesn't say Harry Potter. I've watched Harry Potter. I'm not going to hell, okay? Um, idolatry, sorcery. And so anything that's just making much, uh, something greater than Jesus Anyone in witchcraft and all that weird new age garbage that's out there today. Third rotten fruit is this attitudes of the flesh. Enmity, strife, jealousy. Enmity is, is, is ill will or someone who's always hostile. Like I don't want to be someone who's always like, like just hostile towards everyone, hostile towards me, just ill willed about everything causing strife, stirring up jealousy in other people. These, these aren't legalistic things that, that, that Paul, the, the writer here, is saying, don't do this, don't do that. No, he's just saying, here's an example of what your life does not look like 
if you're in the spirit. Like, like if you're in the spirit, this, does, this is not you. In fact, I would take it a step further that if you're constantly living in this type of life, the Holy Spirit's not in you. Maybe you have not been, been regenerated by his spirit. He goes on to fits of anger. These are results of the attitudes of the flesh, right? So you have attitudes of the flesh and then results of attitudes of the flesh, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Instead of you rejoicing over your brothers and sisters, instead of you rejoicing over other people's victories, who are you? You're the guy that gets envious. Well, why didn't I win? Well, I could have did it better. You know, you're like Eeyore with a cloud that's always around you. And then he goes into addictions when he's right here after he, right after envy, he says drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, but those who do such things will not enter the kingdom of God. So, so anything you would give yourself fully to in the hopes that it will bring you fullness of life rather than Jesus Christ, you're doing nothing but drawing from a well full of sand. And what Paul gives is this dark reality that if that's what you're pursuing after, if you're pursuing after yourself, your desires, these desires, then it leads to eternal death. Now, on face value, I'll be straight with you. That seems like terrible news, all right? Because as I'm listing, like, I'm like, okay, man, I think I may struggle with that, right? Like, I think I may be envious at times. I think I may have an anger problem on the road. Like, I think I have some of these issues right here. So, so what do we do if we're believers? What do we do? What is the Spirit of God doing inside of you? One of the primary functions and roles of the Holy Spirit, don't miss this, is pointing you to Jesus Christ. So yeah, you look at this and you're like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not all this encompassing rotten fruit, but man, I'm struggling with some of this. Well, that's the bad news, but here's the good news. But... Look what he says, and, and we're going we're gonna to have a weight lifted off of us when you tell us how we're going to accomplish this. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, notice there is no S behind it. So, so it is one single fruit. So you can't look at this list and say, well, you know what? I do pretty good at love, but you know the gentleness I'm not really good at, and I'll just leave it for somebody else to be gentle. That's not my spiritual gift. No, you just, you just described yourself as a turd. And quite possibly, the Holy Spirit may not be dwelling inside of you if you think that you don't have to be gentle. Well, I'll just be loving. No, this is an all-encompassing fruit. This isn't a buffet that you get to choose from. It's one fruit with many flavors. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I'm preaching so hard the microphone's falling off my head. Gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. This is what the Holy Spirit does in you. You have this war in your flesh. Flesh is trying to take you one direction, but Holy Spirit's saying, nope, we're going this way. 
We're, we're going love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. We're heading in that direction. They all grow together as one fruit of the Spirit. Just real quick, as we look through some of these, this is love. This is the spiritual anchor of truth and relationship with God and neighbor. This is distinctly what Christians are to do, love, which finds its source from the God of love, God alone. Then we have joy. The word appears 60 times in the New Testament. Joy corresponds to happiness, but it's independent of outward circumstances. You can have joy and have happiness. You can have joy and happiness, but sometimes happiness isn't there. You could still have joy. In, in those times of darkness and trauma, you could still have joy knowing who you are and whose you are in Christ. And then peace, Jesus said, the peace I give is not as the peace that the world may give. When your heart is in trauma, when your heart is in a storm, what is, what is the Spirit offering here? Peace. Man, this one right here, I was thinking maybe it could be like a, like a mango. Nobody eats mango, you know what I mean? Like nobody wants to, nobody wants to be patient, Right? But it's still this all in conversation. So we're patient. We need to that steadfast and endure. It, it's just this idea of that you have to put up with other people. Amen. Am I the only one struggling with this one? <laughs> I mean, the easy route is just like you know, tell them how you really feel, and just be done with them. But that's not what the Spirit is drawing you to. Spirit's drawing you to be patient with that person. Be patient in your circumstances. Be steadfast in your situations. Endure in your place. And kindness, this, this carries the idea of being able to respond to the special needs of others. Goodness, which is very similar to kindness, but goodness is a more active term, which is often directed towards Others in a benevolent type of way. It's the action of helping others when they are in need. So we're not just kind. We're also doing it with our deeds and goodness. Faithfulness just carries that weight of a person who's being faithful. Gentleness. Man, you just, like, like it's, in my mind, I just think of like, it's the opposite of hard-nosed, Right? It's the opposite of just being the constant bully in every situation. It, you're, you're drawing, you're being drawn to gentleness. And then this last one here, which is all in just comparison and contrasting with these fruits of the enemy. This is self-control. You, you counter these sexual desires that Paul laid out before. You counter these addictions. You counter these types of things, these orgies, drunkenness, these, all these weird junk. You counter that with the fruit of the Spirit, which includes self-control, 
which is this total victory over the flesh. So it gives us this idea here that total victory over your desires of your flesh, total victory over your addiction, total victory over whatever that is, whether that's porn or, or drugs or alcohol or just, or just being nosy, like whatever your addiction is, like the scripture here is implicit that through the Holy Spirit working in you, you can have victory over that. That those things do not have to constantly define who you are. But man, I've gained victory in Christ over these desires of the flesh because Holy Spirit is inside of me, drawing me towards the life of holiness, which looks like this. The, the, motive, the motivation of the flesh is a broken view of sex, is a broken view of religion, is a broken view of pleasure that these things leads to these addictions and they'll lead you again to a well full of sand, wanting something new, wanting something more. And you never find that lasting fulfillment, but the Holy Spirit you know, I told you, like, how, how do we, even that feels like a little weighty. So I've got to be gentle. I've got to be loving. I've got to self-control. I've got to be patient. And, oh, my Lord, I've got to love my spouse. And I've got to be patient with my children. You know, God help us, right? First world problems. How do we do this? Like, because if you, even that feels weighty. Well, you don't, actually. Holy Spirit inside of you. God in three persons, like the Trinity, like Holy Spirit is in you. He's the one doing the navigating. He's the one drawing you away from those wells of sand. He's the one inside of you doing it. And, and, he's, and he's the one doing it because I know it's not Matthew Thrower doing it. Because I know left to my own will, things are just going to go bad. Left to your own will, things will go really bad. Despite how good of a person you think you really are. Left to your own self. You'll go back to those wells of sand. So who's the one doing the driving then, if it's not you? Well, Holy Spirit inside of you is the one leading you, guiding you, driving you towards the life that God has called you in. And the primary function of a Holy Spirit inside of you is pointing you back to Jesus. You can't, but Jesus can. You can't do all of these things, but Holy Spirit's like pointing you, look at Jesus. Uh, look to Jesus. Stop looking at your desires. Stop looking at all of these things that are tugging you away from a life of holiness and look to Jesus. Who is the Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is inside of all of us who are believers, bringing us out from the depths of our desires and into this incredible journey that he has for us. That's who the Holy Spirit is, and that's what he is doing within his church. Let me pray for us this morning. Oh, 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 oh,